0: Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch.
1: Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. I am in the studio again. It sounds like I'm on a... a, uh, a recording when I say that, because every single week for the past <laughs> 29 weeks, I've been saying I'm in this <laughs> studio by myself. Ellen is up in the no, hills no, of no, North no. Carolina. I, was, I, I was Oh, you there. came back once. You came back once. Yeah. That's right. I forgot. And i back, back next once. Week. I promise. I'll be back next week. <laughs> okay. And I won't be. So it's all you. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, so how's the weather up there?
2: Well, it's been beautiful, but it's getting hot
1: again. So it's time for me to come back to Florida and cool today. off. <laughs> Don't forget to get back in <laughs> air conditioning, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you know, it could be worse. I we we um, have uh, family ties out in Redding, and uh, where that car fire is going on, um, and oh, it's it's horrific. That the. the the uh, just watching the watching the fire on the on the map just grow and you know points of interest that i know in in my mind are burnt to the ground yeah they're just gone you know it's, they'll it's never crazy. be the same the the funny thing is is there's a little there's a little town outside of reading called whiskey town it's like a sh- old Shaster is what it is it's like a a very old 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 um village right that like there's stores a library a bank and they're all in different states of disrepair and um but it's a monument it's a, it's a you know it's a it's a state monument type thing it completely missed it it went right around really- it. and that whole that whole area was engulfed that whole highway uh, 299 was engulfed in fire and it went around this little you know
2: Crazy.
1: I wonder why. Well, God saw it fit to protect the uh, monument. Protect? You know. Yeah, I guess so. Wow. Yeah. That is yeah, awful. crazy. Well, I mean, uh, you know, if you if you're out there and you're fortunate enough to be listening tonight, I I wish you nothing but the best, and my prayers are going your way. I have family that's out there. Uh, we have land that's out there, and um, you know, I just pray that uh, no more people. Die from the fire. I think we've lost six so far.
2: Yeah, it sounds pretty
1: horrific. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, we um, let's get back to uh, addiction and recovery. I mean, what? I, it always bums me out when I when I think of things like that because, like now, there's a piece of my memory that is when next time I go, it's going to be gone. You know, it's going to be black. Yeah. So. We have Justin McMillan on the line. He's the founder and CEO of Treehouse Recovery for Men. Hi, Justin. How are you?
3: I'm doing well, Ray.
1: How are you? Good, good, good. Welcome to the show.
3: Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. And I look forward to this conversation. Cool. Where is Treehouse exactly located? Uh, we have two two centers. We have one in uh, Orange County in California, and then we have one mm-hmm. in Portland, Oregon as well. Oh okay okay I
1: think I think actually, um now that you say Portland, Oregon, I went down to the breakers was it last year or the year prior and I was speaking to a young gentleman um, who was at a facility like like what yours is kind of like um mm-hmm. do, ha, do you send do you send representation to all the different uh oh, um, conventions and conferences yeah, and stuff Also, oh, so, so yeah, maybe it yeah. was maybe it was the young kid that i was talking to was in your uh your program
3: yeah it very well could have been was it uh would it have been a client or was it somebody who works works with us um
1: well, it was the gentleman that was standing in front of the, you know, oh. behind the table with all the literature and all of that. So it must have been somebody okay. that worked there. I think maybe he was a prior, uh, a prior client. I mean, that's kind True. of common anyway. True. Do you, do you have? Yeah, I mean that that's kind of common to take the, uh, the
3: cream of the crop and keep them for yours, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we actually we hire a, a, a huge amount of our our past clients in Portland, we have our, actually our entire facility in Portland was studied, started by former clients. Oh, cool. So there's cool. actually, oh, yeah. yeah. So we, we send guys to school. We, um, you know, it obviously depends on what level of education they're at when they start, you know, cause of timing and whatnot. But, but yeah, that entire facility was, was started. Uh, those, those, all the, the guys who started it, you know, came out of orange County and they were, working in Orange County. They came through the program in Orange County. We hired them, or sent them to school, hired them eventually, and then yeah, and then when we got ready to open Portland, we kind of selected them and then trained them and and got them together and then we we uh relocated them and and kicked off
1: the program up north. Nice, nice. So tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself. Like where how you got your start in recovery or or what um Motivated you to to uh, get into recovery, and you tell us a little bit about Justin, and then we can uh, we can build on uh, what you've built of Justin in recovery.
3: <laughs> yeah, of <laughs> course, right. Uh, so I, I I've been sober nine years, and uh, good for and you. My thank you, and my addiction for me. And in, in Terrence, when you're talking about this, do you want me to explain kind of my Personal story in terms of me sober and then how.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. That way, you know. I mean, that way you're connecting with you're connecting with our audience and then you you know and um, because our audience, uh, it's a worldwide audience and it's and it's a and it's addiction recovery based community. You know, just to share real quick, Mm -hmm. I'm 29 years uh, clean and Ellen is the parent of a of a uh, recovering addict. Beautiful.
3: Beautiful. Congratulations. And, and it's good to be on the phone with both of you and and to be with people who understand. And that's, that's the biggest thing. I think that's been my, one of my, my best assets in terms of what I do, but going into just my history and, you know, I, I was thinking about this recently and, and really thinking about all the way back to when I was really young. And I think the signs of me having a predisposition to addiction were there at a very, very young age. And I really kind of, I mean, this is a simple way to explain it, but as a kid, so I lived in a a logging community in the Northwest and I used to, even at you know like eight or nine years old, I used to um, steal money from my parents' uh, closet. I would take their spare change and I would ride my bike two and a half miles into town and I would buy, ridiculous amounts of candy and I would just gorge on it and you know what kid doesn't right like that's you know you, you hear that stuff but I think that the, that the idea here is that I was I was lying um, you know I was stealing and I was hiding things and I was binging and I mean that th- those sort of things existed for me as for as, as long as I can remember this whole living to an extreme everything was to an extreme and, and activating right. my reward system you know at a really young age and and that you know, so early on, I mean, as as young as I can remember, and on top of that, I was an extremely emotional kid. I felt things, um, and still feel things, I think more than than other other people do. And so, you know, so okay, fast forwarding a little bit, um, I was I was also a, a swimmer, so I was swimming a few hours a day, and I didn't have really a social life. I got sick, and then when I was sick, I was told I had to take a couple months off, and during that time, I kind of my, it opened my eyes to a social life and, and very shortly after that I, I tried hash for the first time. And so I was about 11 um, when that happened and then uh, and it kind of opened Pandora's box. and really what I mean by that is it was this realization that I, it was it was amazing to be honest because I suddenly realized I didn't I could control the way I felt. like I didn't have to feel um, things to the level that I felt them that I could I could use some sort of external force to change. You could control um, the way felt you felt. With the, yeah. 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 And this is, we yeah. all, anybody who's been through this knows this, you know, I mean, all the uh-huh. listeners that are in recovery or, or even in active right now, they know that, you know, that's a big part of the equation is that sometimes the way that we're built is so hard to deal with that, you know, once you experience something that allows you to evade or to, to jump away from or get away from the way you feel or to control the way you feel it's that in itself is an addiction. And, and so that, you know, through high school, it was, it was psychedelics and, and smoking weed or pot and marijuana and ongoing and didn't really get into harder drugs until I got into my twenties. And, and then, you know, it was, it went from that to ecstasy. And then within three days of ecstasy, there was crystal meth and then binging and, um, tons of up and downs through my mid twenties and, you know, with cocaine and, um, pretty much any drug that I could get my hands on, but I was still able somehow to maintain, um, a, a pretty, uh, the lie. A, a great life. But in, yeah, I was, I was, yeah. exactly I was able to, uh, I was, yeah. I mean, and I very much compartmentalized my using, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and then it, you know, finally got to the point where like all, all of us it you know, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly hide or keep up with it anymore. I ended up where, you know, fast forward to me living in a garage um, and uh, ended up living in this garage for about a year and a half. Um, I was doing a lot of math and uh, and um, by the grace of God and a bunch of amazing people who uh, continued to sort of check on me, um, I was able to pull myself out of that. There were several attempts at sobriety before that, but it was, it was the kind of a community of people around me. And I was, I was around um, the 12 step community and a, um, even before I got sober because I worked at a cafe where a lot of the, the guys that were coming in to go to treatment and stuff were, were around. So a lot of the people that I was associating with were sober and I was kind of just known as the pothead guy or the guy that couldn't quite pull his life together. And then when it got really bad, a lot of those guys kind of surrounded me and, and helped me and, and helped to pull me out of that. And it, they, the interesting thing about this property where I was living is that there was two houses also on the property that were both vacant, so even though there were houses to live in, I choose to continue to live in this garage, which I think can kind of give you an idea of how well, that, yeah that just goes into. to yeah that's that was
1: like your metaphorical uh, park bench you know you you yeah. you had the yeah you had the uh the ability to sleep somewhere else, but you only allowed yourself the you know, the, the comforts of a garage. I, I get it. I, I get it 100%. I know that there's a lot of people that I speak to and there's a lot of, I mean, Ellen has said it, you know, that that we all become the same individual. So when you're speaking about sleeping in a garage when there was a bed available, um, that's just the nature of the beast. That's what we do to ourselves. We, we think that we're less than, we think that, you know, we don't deserve... Uh, help. We don't deserve love. We don't deserve any of that stuff, and that's what we do. We end up sleeping on a garage floor or a park bench or something relative to that um, situation, and we all we all get to that point. Fortunately enough, few of us get to live past that. You know, um, yeah. there are more. I, I saw, I saw it on Facebook today or something or or yesterday. There's there's a, a page ca- uh, called 174, and I guess that must be the new number of people who overdose daily, and that's yeah. a that's a scary, scary number. Now it's now it's. Well, Ellen and I were speaking last year, probably about what was it, 47 or something like that, Ellen. Ellen, no, it was, was it was 144. But they they were not
2: documenting appropriately, okay. and I think this, a study has come out recently. They they weren't documenting overdoses and the drug the drugs that were being used. So right. uh, there may be some kind of correction coming out. But it, it's much higher than initially. Yeah. Gone. So
1: it's, so it's probably at two hundred or more. Yeah. yeah.
3: Six, six, you know, just just to just, to, just to, it's going to get worse, guys.
1: Yeah, and just to just to, to push a little bit to the side of that. I heard today on the news that sixteen hundred people have been shot in Chicago this year. They haven't all died, but sixteen hundred people have taken a bullet. So this year. So you you look at that number of under two hundred have overdosed and died. Just just think of that statistic as a whole. How many people have overdosed and fortunately lived? to either abuse themselves again or get out of the funk that they're in, or ultimately have died and they are still just laying in a field somewhere and they're not counted because they're uncollectible. You know, so so yeah. it's greater that it's greater than what and like you said, it's it's not getting any better. It's only going to get worse. Sadly, um, you know, if we could flip a switch and everything would be okay, Um, we would find a way to screw our lives up and ourselves up and our families up anyway because it's about um, feeling less than. It's about feeling not um together it's not about it's not about the substance the substance makes us do or makes us become who we became but it's not about the substance at all i mean like like, like they say people people that choose to use like if they have any point of clean time they quote unquote relapse even before they pick the substance up so it's not about yeah. the substance it's about a mindset you know and um mm-hmm that's that's the scary part of it how do you how do you um change that mindset you know it's it's uh yeah,
3: it's, it's it's scary uh the the overdose thing is just that i mean just to talk to that for a second you know i've been so i in i'm on a uh, vacation with my family right now and i got news three days ago that a dear friend of mine whose fiance is pregnant with their first Not child uh, was found face down um on his bed and he overdosed on heroin and, and I've been helping with the family and this is now, you know, he left a, a pregnant woman behind and the, the residual effects of that are just horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really it's just, I mean, you, you know, if you, you guys know, if you work in this field or if you're, it's just a constant thing, you know, and it's, uh,
1: yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's actually yeah, it's, it's actually never ending you know and that's the that's the sad part about it that um you know that name. If that if that gentleman's name was Joe, in five hours, Steve is going to take is going to take the limelight because that that, that happened to Steve, and then it's going to happen to Sally, and then it's going to happen to Sue, and that's the sad thing about it. What you know? How do you how do you corral that? How do you stop it? I mean, you can't. You I mean, when I was in gear and when I was in action, I thought I was in in. Um, indestructible. I thought I was invinc I thought mm-hmm. I was invincible. And you just aren't with the with the chemicals that are out there today, they'll kill you in a second. You know, and we yeah. we we got we got yeah, to go we to we got to go hour. to break right now. We have to go to break right now cuz okay. we're we're coming up on the clock. So if uh, you want to call in and ask okay. Justin a question, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C-diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent Ready to transform your health and your world? time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
2: Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that'll help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm sorry. I was distracted there for a second. I was trying to shush the dogs out of the studio. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And you you know how that could be, right, Ellen?
2: I do. I miss those girls. I can't wait to see them.
1: <laughs> okay, so we have Justin McMillan on the line. He's the founder and CEO of Treehouse Recovery for Men. Let's get into a little bit about what your program is and what action-based induction therapy is. That was that was one of the the differences that you have from other programs, correct?
3: Yes, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So Treehouse is a uh, like you said, it's all men, and we have a. Uh, the program is extremely physical. So to give you an idea just about how it's structured and when I say physical, I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, emphasis on biology and acknowledging biology's role in addiction through physical activity and exercise. So we don't do medications. So we have a medication free philosophy, a Treehouse. and, uh, but we absolutely acknowledge biology's role in addiction and, and so we, you know, you can't just say oh, we're not going to treat the biological side of things. Or we're not. Gonna well, treat when you
1: say, excuse me, let me, let me, let me stop you for a second. When you say you don't use medications, you're talking to, uh, about like uh, medication, medication-assisted therapy, right? You don't use the, mm-hmm. the. Um, okay. All right. Go ahead. And, and I mean, what about antidepressants
2: the, and, and
3: those types of things? Go ahead. Say that again Ellen sorry I, I didn't hear you uh,
2: anti do you use antidepressants or anything like
3: that no in fact we, we specialize in helping people get off of um, antidepressants especially if they're diagnosed in active addiction which is what you find oftentimes is and, and you know as anyone in, in the field knows um, when a person is 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 coming off of drugs for you know up to eighteen months even the brain is still Trying to create right. homeostatic balance. Yeah, the people often has peste- withdrawal syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. So oftentimes you'll you'll people will present, um, you know, mild psychosis. Let's say if it's if it's uh, um, crystal meth, or obviously depression and dysthymia, these things will, will be there. And because, so I said, medication free philosophy. The idea is that our, our primary objective is to try to get our clients to stop using drugs to change the way they think and feel. And so if we, if we bring them in and then we take them to a doctor who then prescribes more drugs to change the way they think and feel, then we create a, uh, a paradox. Really, it, it's a difficult thing for the client to understand, but, but to be responsible, we still have to address, um, the fact that they're going through that. And so how we do that is we, our, our objective is to get the clients in the best physical, uh, shape that we possibly can. So when they come in, they all of our clients are working out uh, five days a week for 90 minutes a day, and the the results right look like right away. Yeah, right out the gate. Okay. And, it, and you don't have to be a fitness type of person yeah. to. Yep. In fact, that's not the. Yeah, it's it's just guys come in and our our program is set up in a way where it's it's they it's kind of um, they move from station to station and they go um, and it's set up to where it kind of meets you where you're at. And the end result is that we get guys that bodies and minds get really dialed in pretty quickly. You know, so the first couple of weeks guys are sore and they're, they're a little bit tired, but it's getting them to bed early and it's, um, and it's getting them, you know, kind of resetting all of their, their bio rhythms. And then, you know, by the end of the five months that they're with us, our our typical length of stay is about 5.2 months. Um, How many, how many men do you have? Best, best shape of their life. What's that? How many How many are in each facility? How many men? 48 in total. So we have teams of 12. So we don't ever treat more than 12 guys with any one group of staff. So so it's 12, okay. 12, and 12 in Orange County. And then we have a, uh, a team of 12 in, in Portland as well. Cool. Are yeah, any so of them just, uh...
2: resistant to this type of, of exercising?
3: You know what? It's... It, they're not. It's um. It's a cultural thing when they come in. Uh, there's always somebody that is similar to the person that's there. There's you know we have a lot of musicians, a lot of different people, and they've all found their own way to identify with it. And there's a lot of inertia kind of moving like in that direction. So they show up and they sort of just fold into what the culture is like and I mean, they they kind of have they,
1: had a lot they, of they kind of have us. they kind of have that awareness when they go in that that's what they're going to be what's going to be expected of them anyway right i mean you don't just mm-hmm. somebody just doesn't randomly come in and go whoa what's going on here no
2: well it, no, it, no, it, no. it's uh, you know their families I, i'm just thinking about like and and i know you guys are not traditional rehab and it sounds like you've got a, a really good program but i'm thinking about you know families that are pushing addict into a good program and when they get there they're like i mean it me i'm not somebody that likes to move a whole lot and i can see myself going i don't want to do this (laughs) it's hard wondering if you get that kind of reaction
3: yeah yeah it's i think what so part of what we kind of hypothesized or postulated about when we started this was that people who are prone to addiction have a different type of reward system than the average folk. And what I mean by that is that, uh, we are built, uh, again, this is a theory, but that we're built to, um, challenge our physiology and that that is uh, a built in part of, of, uh, what predisposes us to addiction. So these guys really, when they, when they show up, this challenge of like pushing themselves again, think of, Anyone in addiction, it's, it's pushing and pushing and pushing, denying their body, pushing and trying to, you know, go more to get their reward. It's, it translates really beautifully where they, you know, the idea of pushing their body and pushing the limits, um, for themselves is something that's, it's a nice sort of translation from one, uh, maladaptive behavior to one that is, uh, a positive behavior. And there's also right. a ton of context around it. So these guys are told that, you know, that, that they're, that a big part of, of what could be going on with them is that without moving, that they're, they're, they're not really honoring their biology, that they have to be physical in order for them to um, have the kind of balance that they need. And so we we explain it through the context or through the lens of, you know, 50,000 years of, of, of people living. And we really say, okay, human beings have traditionally moved we had to wake up and move every day for thousands of years to get what we needed you know that we had to expel energy we had to have a relationship with movement and our physiology in order to survive but in the last hundred years since the advent of the machine we've stepped off that plane and we're really not honoring our biology anymore and so so we have to get back to this place of how do we honor our biology how do we honor this idea that we need to move and we need to have a relationship with our physiology that's healthy Now anybody that's been in active addiction has a relationship with their physiology. They're very aware of the fact that their feelings and emotions can change based on outside chemicals or, you know, that, that basically their physiology is outside stimulus, yeah. The way they feel, you know. And, and so by giving them something where they can take control, they can use physical movement to change the way they think and feel. It's replacing this behavior, but it still honors the desire to. Like I was talking about, you know, first time smoking hash and and thinking, oh my gosh, I can change the way I feel. But that's a mechanism that exists in all of us, and if you can give a person a different, mecha- a different vehicle to do that that's healthy, then it's a powerful tool. So these guys know that when I'm not feeling right, or I'm having a hard day emotionally, I can use physical activity as one of my many tools to to uh, um, adjust the way that I feel. And, right. So share, with, yeah, us, share with us. Share so with us what a
1: Share with us what a what a typical day would be from eight to
3: um, evening. Seven, sure. So um, we we keep all of our clients. I guess uh, to start with, kind of a broad stroke thing here is that you know, Trios is a performance based organization, meaning that when we started, we told ourselves our objective is to be the very best at getting men well. And so, when I say mm-hmm. performance based, I'm not talking about making money. I'm talking about performance truly. Like we measure our, how well we do based on the product of our work. So when guys get well and stay well, that means we're successful. So that being said, we treat clients for six hours a day, five days a week for, like I said, typically it runs about 5.2 months and we don't step them down and we don't step them down regardless of whatever financially, once they're in our door, we keep them at that, that amount of time, And we're doing it because we've discovered that that's what it takes to get these guys well. So six hours a day, five days a week, five months. Now, what they're doing is they're up. So this is where action-based induction therapy comes in. What I was just talking about is called um, ESM therapy. That's the physical fitness stuff. But action-based induction therapy actually happens first thing in the morning. So in Orange County, it, it happens at the beach. And in Portland, it's happening in a martial arts studio. And what that looks like is action-based induction therapy starts at 6 a.m. So these guys are up early in the morning. They're standing on a line ready to go at 6 a.m. There's three therapists there with them at the house. They load a big uh, rubber boat onto the top of a, of a van. And this boat is the same boats that they use in um, BUDS training, which is um, yep. uh, SEAL training.
1: Mm-hmm. SEAL training, so, yeah.
3: So so. Yeah, so action-based induction therapy actually was built off of Navy uh, Navy SEAL training exercises right. that were intended to to help see what kind of um, how well SEALs work together and as a team, and to kind mm-hmm. of like vet and, and look for um, teamwork ability and uh, the ability to
1: work right. That's space. where the log carrying comes in and all that stuff exactly
3: yeah yeah Yeah. so so -hmm. these guys have this boat and there's six seven guys on the boat there's three on each side and one on the back and um so the boat goes on the van they go down to the beach they carry the boat out to the water and i'll tell you what it looks like first and then i'll kind of explain what the the sort of the treatment component that's underneath it so so these guys are paddling this boat out through the surf flipping the boat over, coming back, and doing all sorts of different exercises that are basically designed to help them learn how to be uh, a better social uh, animal, right? And it's the simplest way to put it. So they have to work cohesively. They can't, it can't be just one guy for himself. Everyone has to work together in order for it to, to be successful. Uh, it's, the exercise itself is extremely fun. So these guys are exhilarated and excited. They're having a good time, but it's also difficult. And and it teaches all kinds of lessons around interdependency. The idea, is mm-hmm. every action that you have affects another person's situation. So, like for example, when the guys are carrying the boat, if one person stops carrying it, the other suffer because it's more weight for the other people. And so, there's we've built this this exercise or this this training exercise. It's two hours in the morning, and it's it's designed to hit nine functions of the prefrontal cortex. So, and why does that matter? Well, the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that's responsible for, we use Dan Siegel's framework or construct for this. Dan Siegel is a professor out of UCLA that's done a ton of work on interpersonal neurobiology. And his, his idea with the prefrontal cortex is that all of the nine functions that he's identified are integral parts of a person's ability to maintain and establish strong and healthy social connections. Now, one of the things we know about addiction is that addiction is a disease of isolation, that when people become addicted, that they become isolated and that they they that further perpetuates the disease and makes them sicker. So our objective is to turn our clients into high-level social connectors. So, what do I mean by that? they they, they need to learn to interact with each other, to communicate with each other, and to depend on each other in a way that's healthy and produces a strong bond. So one of our objectives with action-based induction therapy is to get the clients to develop friendships or relationships that last a lifetime. And we see that every day. I mean, that's, that's happening. Now the nine functions are things like impulse control. So there's activities and exercises designed specifically around impulse control, Uh, interpersonal attunement, which is the ability to time yourself with somebody else and to read their expressions, their facial expressions. So actually being able to, to, um, to work with somebody and to balance yourself with them, to to attune to them, um, morality, but defined as thinking about how my actions affect others. So why this matters is because an active addiction, the prefrontal cortex becomes dysregulated and those things stop working. So our objective is to train that, to to work that out as much as possible and to get that as strong as possible. So, these guys develop a really good, healthy use of their prefrontal cortex. So that's action-based induction therapy. That's two hours in the morning. In the, the martial arts platform up north, it's the same thing, but it's not no boats. So we're also exercising the nine functions of the prefrontal cortex, but it's done through pad work. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, one guy with punching uh, uh, boxing gloves on and he's working pads with somebody else, and then we stop and say, okay, how is your partner feeling? You know, empathy is one of the functions of the prefrontal cortex. So you're asking yourself, how does this feel to the other person? So there's no sparring that's happening, but there's attunement. There's movement, coordinated movement. And these things, you know, are, are theorized to help grow the prefrontal cortex. And they, they even do things like with linebackers where they'll have them learn ballroom dancing to practice interpersonal attunement. So these are not new ideas. We're just doing it in a different um, structure and format that's geared towards um you know, something that guys maybe would gravitate towards. Um, so, so that's action-based induction therapy. Two hours in the morning. After that, they go. They have a, a short break, and then they go to ESM, which is the exercise stuff that I was talking about. That's 90 minutes. We do that before um, the next uh, uh, modality, very intentionally, because there's tons of research out there that says that if you can exercise and get your brain um working in a certain way that you'll be able to retain information better so they go to an addiction education class and that addiction education class is run by their one-on-one therapist so and it's not just addiction education it's a hybrid process group that basically incorporates addiction and recovery themes but ties in the person's individual one-on-one experience into that um conversation so you, you know, they're talking and, and maybe something that's coming up for, say, John there in the room, he'll bring the one-on-one conversation into the addiction ed to relate it back to the theme. And there's this sort of beautiful dance that's happening. And that class is kind of like a college class. They're expected to learn everything that they possibly could know about addiction, the brain, uh, relapse prevention tools, everything that you can think of in this class that goes anywhere from an hour to two hours, depending on the day. So... They're absorbing that, they're taking tests in that, they're getting educated in addiction so that they're extremely fluent about the disease. Then they go from that, and then there's this block of time in the middle of the day where they either go to a one-on-one session with uh, their primary therapist or they go to a one-on-one session with their lit therapist. So two different types of therapists. The, the, uh, the one-on-one therapist is doing things like CBT and DBT and traditional psychotherapy. Um, the literary therapist, which is a completely different type of modality, that's that's basically a, a series of writing assignments that are designed to um, kind of open the door to different subjects that could potentially unlock previous traumas. And so it's it's a it's an amazing program that we have um, the the writing program. It's called Naked Writing, and there's uh, I think there's 26 assignments. So they basically what they do is they the lit therapist sits down with them. They're assigned the assignment. They take that home. Um, they write about it. And they have to write with by by hand. It's not typed. And there's a reason for that because there's there there's evidence that says that written language done with a pencil accesses a part of the brain that has abstract thinking where trauma is also potentially stored in the brain. Again, the brain just a vast subject. Yeah. <laughs> can
1: can we go to lunch? We need yeah, to. We I'm need sorry, to. Dude. No, that's okay. I was. It was fascinating oh, listening, listening to you. That's why I didn't want to cut you off. I just wanted to let you go. But we're up against the clock, so we're gonna to have to go to break. Yeah. Dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six, four seven two five seven nine two. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific time and 4 p.m. Eastern
4: time on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives. And once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the
1: Hey, welcome back. We have Justin McMillan on the line. He's the founder and CEO of Treehouse Recovery for Men. And we were talking during the break. And what I want to do first before we get back into anything, Justin, can you let people know how they can get in touch with you, like websites, Facebook pages, uh, telephone numbers of the facilities, either in California or Oregon, and just let people know how they can reach out to you.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So go to uh, www.treehouserecovery.com and everything that you could need to know will come from there. So we have our Facebook links there, all of our social media, phone numbers are there. There's an online chat. Uh, If you're in Oregon, go to uh, treehousepdx.com and you can find us there as well.
1: So tell me how, like, you know, it, from from the sounds of it, you know, it, it's it's a lot of physical, um, how does somebody, I don't want to say qualify, but like how do you accept people into your program? I'm sure it's not a one first come first serve type environment. How do you accept people in and how do people manage to make it their day one?
3: Yeah, so the, it starts with, picking up the phone and making a phone call obviously, and just getting in touch with us. And then the admissions guys will basically break down the whole program, what it looks like and get a sense of, of where you're at and whether we'd be a good fit for you and you'd be good for, for us. And, and then from there, um, there's a, so to come into the program, there's a, a process that we go through that is a, basically a peer interview. So, Uh, you've got a group of guys that are in treatment currently we bring the person the client we don't bring them or they come to us and and they sit down and they interview with their peers in a closed door situation and there's no perfect i guess the the perfect way to get into treehouse would just be to be honest even if it's oh Oh, you mean even before you mean life's a mess
1: and You mean even beforehand, they come in even before they're a client, and they sit with clients that are in the house.
3: Yes. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. They meet with clients who are currently in treatment, and we started doing that um, because we wanted the clients to drive the 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 situation forward. We didn't want it to ever be run by a need for no. That makes sense. It makes absolute sense, especially it Um, makes absolute sense, especially in the parents begging. What's that?
1: It makes absolute sense, especially in the environment that you're in. That you know what I mean. Like that's not that's not something that can be readily controlled by, techs and and admin. That's something that's controlled by the the um the populace of the of the house. Well, I guess you can mm-hmm. also sense if the if the
3: guy is truly ready to take this on. Because right. if he's not, it's going to screw up the rest of them. Absolutely. And that's what you see happening, Alan. It's so amazing. These guys say, you know, it's not, it's actually, they accept most everyone. I mean, that's the, if there's room, you know, we don't always have room, but when there's, right. when there's room, they generally accept the guy, but it's really more of a moment for them to talk to the person without us there and to get a sense of them. Like you said, they know better than anyone else. I mean, the longer it gets from me being, you know, in my initial recovery, the harder it is for me to really feel that out. Um, and so they have a window that, that we just don't, they have a perspective that we don't, and they oftentimes also bring somebody to a place of truth. And it's really beautiful. I mean, these, these interviews, guys come out, you know, watery eyed and like, I'm ready to do this. Like I want to do this, you know, or if a guy doesn't get accepted, say, um, like I said, it's, it's pretty rare, but you'll hear, you know, a client say, this person's not going to be good for my recovery. We can't have him here because he told us that he plans on using after he's here for 30 days or he, you know, his parents are making him come here Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is, you know? Um, So they can really sniff the BS in a way that we just can't. And it's, um, yeah, it's really beautiful. That's also something we started with that was strange, but it really has worked out very, very well.
1: And and that's cool though. I mean, and, and so basically when you say that, that the majority of the, um potential clients come from the local area near the facilities because I wouldn't imagine you would fly somebody from Boston just for a an interview with with the clients.
3: I'll tell you what we 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 have families um, oftentimes they do that uh, there are sometimes there's very rarely there'll be an interview done over Skype with the guys surrounding us. Uh, right, okay, that makes screen. sense. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's yeah, I mean for the most part, people really want to get into Treehouse, so people will I mean they'll they'll come from wherever to try to get a shot at, at getting in. If they if they really get a sense of what we're about and they learn about it, they're very quickly um almost anybody that we get on the phone with wants to um they want to come in and that's, it's just based on the fact that I have such great alignment from all my staff. I mean, that we have an, such an incredible, um, everybody that works in the house is absolutely committed to producing a, a, a successful outcome. And anybody who wants to get well, parents of kids who want to get well, when they hear that, or they understand that, especially into those recovery community where there's so much out there, that's just not working. Uh, it's, um, yeah it's, it's people people will come from all over now what is the what is the like the
1: average turnover rate like you have you have um, 36 in in California now from day one mm-hmm. to day five and a half months how many individual Clients, will they interact with that are new coming in the door? Like what? What's the? What's the? What, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I don't mean like turnover, like people not oh, making I it. I mean people that successfully well, uh, walk uh, from day one to day last.
3: Uh, okay, so our our graduation rate from coming yes. in to leaving is over ninety percent. Nine over ninety percent of the guys that come into the program graduate. No, that's and then no. That what option. I
1: mean is what I what I mean is is that when I walk in on in day on day one. With 36 different people in that house, when I'm ready to leave 12. on graduation day, pardon me? Oh, 12. It, it would be 12. Yeah, they're on a team of 12. Oh, okay. So there's three. Oh, okay. So you're not you're, not, you're not, you don't, you don't break up into the big, you're you're into the small 12 and that's it. You don't interact yeah. at all yeah, with the other the team. Okay. They do, oh, all, all right. They go, okay. they so, so that makes things, more camping, sense. Yeah. Different things. Yeah. yeah. That makes more sense. That that answers my question. Then,
3: Yeah. Yeah. But typically they they don't see, guys don't fall out of the program. We don't have, our relapse rate in the program is almost non-existent. And uh, the the guys that graduate, most of them choose to graduate. Of the 10% that don't graduate, there's those, some of those guys will just complete. So they'll basically 90 days for various reasons. Sometimes it's family, whatever. They'll, instead of going that last two months, they will, they will complete the program. So, so that's, so yeah, we, we, we're seeing the majority of our guys coming in and going all the way through the program. Right. No, do you is take
2: another step after the program? I mean, do they go to um, another program that's maybe not as intense or I mean, what happens after they're done? I-
3: our ideal scenario is that they'll stay in the community and stay connected to our statistics say that if they stay connected to five or more other clients, at least on a weekly basis that they went through treatment with that they will stay sober. Um, and that's like over 95% of the guys that stay connected to five or more stay sober. So we're collecting all of this information on a regular basis. Um, so we want them to stay close. Our our best numbers say that if a guy stays in the environment in in some sort of a drug and alcohol free environment in that area for up to a year, that's our ideal scenario. And then moving out with, some of the other clients that they went through the program with. So, like I said before, our goal is to get them to really develop bonds that last a lifetime. Um, But we also have guys that go back home to families. You know, we have guys, we treat guys in their forties and fifties and, you know, they're going back, but they're still staying connected through social media and things like that. So as far as an aftercare program, we do have an alumni department. We have an alumni group that happens and we're working on developing a, a team We we also have this leadership class that happens at the end of treatment as well. Um, So everything is just about promoting connection, but we can't make it institutional, meaning that the guys have to, the stuff has to be organic. You have to, you can't force someone to go to, you know, a bunch of groups after treatment and and expect that that's going to work. It has to be something that is something that they want. And so there, there's all these things that have sort of emerged and grown out of that uh, that are pretty amazing and very effective,
1: so. Now, with um, something, something just hit me. Do you allow people to go through more than once?
3: If it's been. Like like, say the people
1: that complete 90 days or something like that and something happens and they have to leave and sadly they leave and and use again or whatever. Are are your doors open again for a second or third
3: um, try? That's a great question. So we have a we have a no repeat for up to three, unless the person has been out of the program for three years, but we've made exceptions to that based on individual situations. There's, you know, there's different times where it really isn't, it hasn't been a huge issue. I mean, to, to give you an idea, the first year we treated clients, a hundred percent of those clients are sober today. And we, I said, it have been open five years. The least amount of sobriety time in that group is four and a half years. So we don't have a bunch of guys that are, and I know it sounds crazy in our world, and I and I know Ray and Ellen, you guys both know that recidivism is so high that it's like what, but we don't have a bunch of people that are, you know, out there repeating treatment over and over and needing it. There are some for sure, um, but right. we and, and, uh, the way we see it is after after five months, um, the chance of them really coming back through and getting something that they didn't get, it's probably best for them to go.
0: To Somewhere place. else, so for us to, yeah, to
3: right, uh, uh, and, yeah. and that yeah. makes
1: sense because it kind of, it kind of, you know what I mean. If you, if you don't, it, it makes total sense. We have about two minutes left, Justin. So why don't you uh, repeat again? I mean, I know you said the website, but repeat again how somebody <laughs> can get in touch with your admin department or um, make that move towards hopefully getting clean with action-based induction therapy. It sounds,
3: it sounds interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, so it's uh, if, you, if you're if you looking for us, just go to www.treehouserecovery.com. And from there, you can find everything else from the phone number to a live chat to uh, our social media. Um, so that's treehouserecovery.com. You can also look at Treehouse PDX, which is our Portland website, but they're all mm-hmm. accessible through treehouserecovery.com. Okay, awesome.
1: Well, you know something that hour went by a little bit too quick. I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have you come back on again, because we only scratched the surface of what it is that you can offer the recovery community. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out again and see if we can't get you back on. And um, that way... You know I mean if it takes 4 hours for us to 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 find out what okay. you're about will you will do 4 hours it'll just have to be four different shows that's all. So we are out of time there. that uh, tonight. Thank you Justin for coming on. We'll definitely look forward to seeing you and hearing you again. And Ellen with that, with Miracles in Recovery. Thank you, and hope is in your corner. Have a good night.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery.